Good to see your smiling faces. If, we, if you don't know me, my name's Alec. I work here. And I'm going to be sharing a little bit with you guys. But to start out, I'm going to say a sentence. And you're not going to believe that the sentence is true. But I promise what I'm about to say is true. Ready? Snoop Dogg just released a gospel album. <laughs> I, I'm not making it up. It's called Snoop Dogg Presents Bible of Love. Anybody, any Snoop Dogg fans in here? Heathens, that's what you guys are, right? And here's Snoop Dogg. That's Snoop Dogg right there performing his gospel album. Snoop Lion, right? Snoop Doggy Dog. It's a man of many names. But I was, I was, I may or may not have been listening to this album, right? Allegedly, I was listening to this album. And I came across a lyric, and as you guys know, we've been studying through Jude, and I came across a lyric that Snoop Dogg sang in this, in this gospel album. And I thought it was really interesting, and I think it pertains to what we're going to be talking tonight. So here's a lyric. It'll be on the screen. This is what it says. I'm not going to rap it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't get excited. It was all respect. Discipline was key. And every Sunday we had church bowing down on our knees. Lord, please forgive us for the sins we about to commit. Oh, Snoop Dogg. Guys, you know what that is? Particularly, Lord, please forgive us for the sins that we about to commit. It's so sad that he says that because like, for the, for the majority of, of that um, lyric, you're like, did Snoop Dogg get saved? Like, what's going on here, right? And then he says that, and ugh. You know what that is, guys? That is perverting the grace of God into sensuality. That's what that is. And tonight, we're going to be in Jude. You can open it if you have a Bible or if you have your phones out. We're going to be in Jude, verse 17 through 21. And Jude is still talking about these same people who pervert grace. He hasn't moved on. He spent 16 verses talking about these people, how they cause division, how they're scoffers. And you would think, okay, verse 17, new topic, please. But no, Jude doesn't move on. And I don't think we should move on either. Because as Snoop Dogg shows us, this is not a yesterday issue. This is a today issue. This is something we're going to face today. And so the question I have for us tonight is how do we love Snoop Dogg? How do we love someone in our life group that says, Lord, or at least lives by the philosophy, Lord, please forgive us for the sins that we're about to commit, right? And perverts the grace of God into sensuality. So we're going to pray. We're going to jump in. I'm excited to share with you guys. Lord, oh Jesus, thank you for Snoop Dogg. But God, we want to be, be people of truth. And we don't want to practice blind acceptance. So Lord, we know that we're going to encounter um, this philosophy as we're in life groups, as we do church. And I pray that you would prepare us and that we would be ready to learn from Jude how to be prepared to love Snoop Dogg and to love people who, who act in this manner. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Alrighty, guys, if you have your Bibles, verse 17 is where we're starting. This is what it says. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers 
following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. If you guys are with me tonight, as you see, Jude, like I said, he's been talking about these scoffers through the first 16 verses of his letter. And now finally in verse 17, he starts wrapping up. He has a few more words for these people. And then in verse 20, he jumps into some practical application. So he, there's two things I want to do tonight. I want to talk about, first of all, the last words he has for these scoffers, the last descriptions. And then second of all, I want to talk, and lastly, I want to talk about the practical applications straight out of Jude and what that means for us here at First Atlanta Young Adults. Alrighty? So this is kind of the theme that we're going to be noticing. If there's one main point we should all get out of this, it's this. Don't be shocked when non-Christians act like non-Christians even in church. Right? I'll say it again. Don't be shocked when non-Christians act like non-Christians even in church. So if, you, if you're with me in verse 17, you see that Jude says this. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. Now, if, you've, if you, you lived in the first century, and Jude, you, Jude sent you this letter, and you were reading it, you read all first 16 verses, get to verse 17. I know what you're thinking, because it's the same thing we're thinking. Okay, dude, we get it. There's these teachers who are perverting grace. They're scoffers. They're causing, causing division. They're not good people. We get it. So how do we get rid of them? Right? That's the question we're all asking. How do we get rid of these people? And unfortunately, Jude doesn't have any magic formula for getting rid of these people. In fact, he says just the opposite. And that's the first blank you're going to fill out. It says, don't be shocked. Right? Notice, number one, don't be shocked. As Jude gets there, we're all saying, bro, so how do we get rid of these people? And he actually says, now I just want to remind you, you know, you're encountering these people in your church today. You may be struggling with them. And by the way, remember the apostle said, they're going to be there at the very end too. I'm like, oh, really? We have no hope of getting rid of these people. They're going to be there till the very end of the church, right? So as long as there's a church, as there's a church, there's going to be scoffers. Kind of seems like bad news, right? And the question is why? Why why will there be scoffers as long as there's a church? It's because we make room on the couch, right? And we make room on the couch even for scoffers, right? That's what it means to be a church. Everyone is welcome. And unfortunately, that means that when you go to life group during the week, and there's that one person, you know who I'm talking about. It's the girl who's gossiping, the guy who wants to ask the, divis- the divisive question. You know, they just want to be the loudest in the room. What this means is, I'm sorry, guys, you can't go to your life group leader and say, hey, can we kick this person out? Like, they're really annoying. Can we just get rid of them altogether? No, unfortunately not. We make room on the couch. So that means that as long as there's a church, they're going to be there. Now, I, I don't know if you guys know my story. I grew up in church. I'm a pastor's kid. Anyone else here a PK? Sorry. 
I'm a pastor's kid. Man, I grew up in church. I've spent more hours in, in a church building probably than I have spent sleeping in my bed at night throughout the course of my life, right? I, not just that, I work at a church, right? I work here. So that means that out of the, the 24 hours of the day, that's a pretty safe bet that at least half of those hours are going to be spent at a church or thinking about church or doing church, right? And yet, every single time I'm in a life group and that person starts talking and that, that girl starts gossiping, that guy starts asking that divisive question, I'm a deer in headlights. I don't know what to do. Have you guys, anyone like The Office here? The Office? It's like that episode where Kevin decides he's going to talk like a baby. You know what I'm talking about? That's how I am. Someone starts gossiping, and I'm like, ugh, scoff, no. Bad, divisive. No, stop, please. Like, I don't even know what to do. I have no idea how to interact with this person. And, see, and that's exactly why Jude is telling us up front, yo, remember, the apostles already told us, these people aren't going away. So don't be shocked, right? Because if we're not shocked when they're there, we'll be better prepared to love them when we encounter them, right? It's number one. Number two, thing to notice is the phrase devoid of the Spirit. Devoid of the Spirit. Now, I did a little research on this phrase. I thought it was interesting that he uses such a strong word, devoid. And so if we go to the original language, which is Greek, this is the actual phrase in Greek of what he's talking about. If we got it, ou exonuma. Tech issues. Okay, there you go. Ou exonuma. So let me break this down for you guys. The word ou is from the, the, the compound word ume. Ume basically, because I'm in church, I'll say it this way. Ume is basically the way you say, heck no, right? It is the strongest form of negation in the Greek language. It's like saying, it's not just saying, these people are not of the spirit. It's like, these people are not of the spirit, right? That's what, that's what Jude is saying here, right? And that other phrase, exonuma, just means pneuma spirit of the spirit, not of the spirit. These people just aren't of the spirit. What's going on here? What's actually happening is Jude is quoting his older brother James. That's what's happening. So in James 3, verses 14 and 15, um, James is talking about the danger of, of the tongue. And this is what he says. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not bo boast or be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. That word unspiritual is uexonuma. So what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, here in the first century where Jude is writing this, these teachers, these scoffers, these people who are divisive in the church, they are, they're basically justifying everything they do by saying, it's okay, I'm a teacher. I have the Spirit of God in me, right? We all know those people. They get angry and they're like, but I'm angry in the Spirit, right? That's what's going on. These people are doing whatever they want, and they're saying, no, don't worry, this is all motivated by the Spirit of God. And what Judah's saying is, these people are not of the Spirit. Like, not even close to being of the Spirit. And if you want to define it even further, you would say this. Devoid of the Spirit means completely disconnected from spiritual motivation. That's what it means. Because these people are saying, no, everything I'm doing is motivated by the Spirit of God. 
And with one final nail in the coffin, as Judas is describing these people, he said, don't let them fool you. These people aren't followers of Jesus. These people are not of the Spirit, not even close to being of the Spirit. They're not being, their only motivation is their selfish desires, right? Their impulses. So don't be confused, right? Be aware of this. Um, <laughs> I went to, to Christian school, unfortunately, growing up. And um, growing up in Christian school, of course, if you went to Christian school, you know there's um, actual Christians at Christian school, and then there's Christians at Christian school, right? And when I was in high school, uh, we had uh, this teacher who we may or may not have not liked particularly. And one day, um, I was told by this teacher to go on his computer, me and two of my buddies, one who I would describe as a Christian, and the other one as a Christian, right? We, we were told to go to um, this teacher's com particular computer and to print out something for him for the next class. And so, obediently, as good children, we went to his computer, we looked it up, and we're, we're printing, we close everything out, and we're looking at the desktop, and there's this little icon in the corner that says, Bikini Babes. This is a Christian school, right? And we're sitting there and we're like, what? What do we do, right? So we, we leave, we go to lunch, and we're sitting at the table, me and these two friends. You know how it is when you have something important to discuss, you go to your own separate table. You lean your heads in. So we have our heads leaned in, we're talking. So do we like tell someone? Like, what do we do? And it's very interesting the two different responses that my friends gave. My first friend, who I would say to this day is a follower of Jesus, said, man, I really don't want to, like, hurt his character, but I feel like I, this is a Christian school. I think the administration should know, right? I think we're, we're responsible to at least tell somebody, right? And my other friend, he said, I wonder what Bikini Babes is. <laughs> That's all he said, and we both looked like, oh, like, like, completely disconnected from what we were thinking, right? And here's, here's what Jude is saying. It's the same thing. When we are doing church, even in the 21st century, even until the last day, there's going to be non-Christians among us, right? So these scoffers, these people devoted to the Spirit, they're not bad Christians. They're non-Christians. So what Jude is saying is don't expect them to act like Christians, Right? One, don't be shocked when they're there. Two, understand these people are devoid of the Spirit. So don't, I shouldn't expect my friend who's not a Christian to not want to know what Bikini Babes is, right? I shouldn't expect them to have the same reaction that I do. And it's the same thing in life group with that person, right? Don't expect them to be forgiving. Don't expect them to forgive you when you do something wrong, right? Don't expect them to apologize when they did something wrong to, do, to you, Right? What Jude is doing here is setting our clear expectations, saying, listen, I don't care what church you go to. You go to First Orlando, you go to Celebration, you could go to City Beautiful, you go to any church. You could go to First Methodist, First Presbyterian, it doesn't matter. There's going to be scoffers there. Not just that, maybe you're committed to First Orlando for whatever reason, right? You've been coming here all your life. You can check out any life group in young adult ministry. 
You can go to a young professional life group. You can go to a college life group, UCF, Valencia, Disney, in the north of town, south of town. There's going to be scoffers there. You're going to run into non-Christians, right? And so the question that we're faced with, right, since we can't just get rid of these people, is how do we love them? How do we engage with them? If they're going to be there, if this is just our reality that we have to accept, the question is, how do we love them, right? How do we engage with them? And it's really convenient um, that this is our question because Jude just happens to answer it in three clear parts, right? So let's look at the text again. And I'll read it again from the start just so we know where we are. It says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. Remember, that's what he's saying. Don't be shocked when they're there. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. Remember, these are non-Christians, right? So don't expect them to act like Christians. And then he says, but you, beloved. Okay, we've covered this. They're going to be there. They're not going to act like Christians. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And so the three clear application points that straight out of Jude, build yourselves, keep yourselves, and, don't, and wait for the mercy. I'll say that again. Build yourselves, keep yourselves, and wait for the mercy. So build yourselves. What is he talking about here? Here's the question I want to ask you guys. Because we've all met scoffers. We've all met divisive people who want to gossip in our life group and kind of tear people apart. So here's the question. Is it possible that the reason you're having a hard time loving this difficult person is because you don't have enough reps in? Let me explain what I mean. I have, I, for those of you who don't know, I have a second job. I work at a restaurant in town called Chewy's. Anyone ever been to Chewy's here? Great Tex-Mex restaurant, right? I have free queso vouchers in my office. If you come back there, you can have one. Okay? Deal. And so at Chewy's, if you, if you ever worked in a restaurant, you know, there's a couple, couple parts, I'm a server there. There's a couple parts of being a server. One of those parts that nobody likes is called food running. And what that means is that there's someone in the kitchen who's grabbing food from kind of the, the heater thing, and that's the technical term, the heater thing. And they're taking this uh, thing from the heater thing and putting on these big trays. And you're coming back and they say, food run! And you're walking by and you're like, ugh. So you run over and you grab this tray and you have to take it to whatever table it is and serve the food, right? It's part of every server job. Well, I have a coworker, and I won't tell you her name, but I will tell you this. She is about four foot ten, maybe... 90 pounds. I mean, this is the smallest human being I have ever met. <laughs> she's tiny, right? And she's one, how would I say this? She's one of those fitness people, unfortunately. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. She's just, I mean, we'll work a shift together and we'll be, I'll be just dead exhausted. We'll be running food all day. We'll be tired at the end of it. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go home and watch basketball. And she'll be like, oh yeah, I'm tired too. Maybe I'll just run two miles today. 
You know that meme with the guy? That's my face. It's like, what? What do you mean only two miles today, right? But something happens every once in a while with this girl. Where we'll be in the, in the weeds, as you say, as a server. Like, we'll have a packed restaurant. Everyone's running around. We're all getting tired. Like, the stress levels are up. We're all boiling. And I'll be in the back, and this girl will walk up to the, to the counter with the heater thingy. And um, she'll go to grab a tray, and she'll be like, hesitate, stand up. And she'll go, oh, that was easier than I thought. And just walk to the table. And you're looking there, and I'm going, what do you mean it's easier than I thought? That's like a 50-pound tray that you're carrying. You only weigh 50 pounds. How are you carrying that with your bare hands? And here's why, guys. Because she works out every day, right? She's training every day to get stronger and stronger. So when she's tired, she doesn't lose her strength, right? Is it possible that the reason that church life is so repetitive, right, day in and day out, another life group, another Tuesday night, another Sunday morning, is it possible that it's like a workout? It's not always fun, but you're training for something, right? This is what Jude is saying. Guys, we're going to have to, if you're going to deal with the scoffers that are always going to be there, you got to build yourself up, Right? You can't go to your life group leader and complain about this person who's gossiping, right? Saying, I just can't be around them. When you only come to life group every once, once a month maybe, right? You've skipped two weeks of quiet times. You don't even know the last time you prayed that wasn't in a, at a meal, right? And you're not prepared. You haven't trained to love this difficult person. So why would you think you're going to be able to, right? This is what Jude is saying. If we're going to have any chance at loving these difficult people, these scoffers, these divisive people, then we're going to have to build ourselves up and train and work hard to prepare ourselves. Number two, keep yourselves. I don't know if I've covered this already, but I'll say it again. Some people in church just aren't loving. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think we should just call them the cranky Christians. You know, y'all know what the cranky Christian is? Y'all met the cranky Christian? So I, I was thinking about this. I was like, man, when have, when have I met? What's the last time I met a cranky Christian? And we went on this, um, college, when all the college students here, or some of the college students here, went on this camp retreat. And um, on this camp retreat, uh, we had a great time, great facilities, um, just enjoyed each other's company. But there was this cafeteria And three times a day, in a very cafeteria style, we would all go to this cafeteria, line up with our orange trays, right, and go through this, this line where they would, these lunch ladies would serve us food. Now, these lunch ladies were cranky Christians. That's what they were. Let's just be real, right? If you were there, you know, so don't tell anyone what I'm talking about. And... Uh, when we were on this trip, we were in, this, in, in line in the cafeteria, and one, one of our guys here, Jake Logan. Jake, you here? Jake Logan over here. So, something really interesting happened with Jake, because we were all in line, and that, it was the last night that we were there at this camp, and 
um, they were like cooking a special meal for us. And so they had um, sweet potatoes, um, roast vegetables, roast turkey, roast beef, rolls, dessert, everything you can imagine, right? It was like, I mean, it was camp food, but it was pretty good, right? We were pretty excited to see it. It was a warm meal. So we get in line, and we're all standing with our orange trays, and we get up, and the way it was working is you would get up to the front. The first lady would say, sweet potato, yes or no. Second lady would say, vegetables, yes or no. The third lady would say, turkey or beef. <laughs> all right? And you would say, uh, uh, turkey, please? And she would say, one slice or two. Just like, I promise it was just like that. One slice or two. So we are going through line, and the first person is like, uh, beef, please, uh, one slice. And the next person's like, oh, I'll take turkey, two slices. <laughs> and then Jake gets up to the front. Hello, Jake. <laughs> and the lady says, Jake, oh, she didn't know her name. Yeah, he, she did not say Jake. This wasn't some creepy thing. <laughs> she was like, sir, beef or turkey? And Jake, poor Jake, innocent Jake, goes, can I have one of each? And of course, the cranky Christian lady goes, no. <laughs> Just like that, I promise. And at this point, we're all kind of in shock. Like, we did not see this coming. Like, poor Jake is just like, I just, you're giving me two. Just give me one of each. What's the big deal here? And the lady was just not having it. And in that moment, Jake could have, he could have flipped out. He could have been like, are you serious? Can I speak to a manager, please? She would have probably been like, I am the manager. <laughs> but Jake didn't do that. What Jake did was very kindly go, okay, I'll have turkey. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll have two slices, please, and just move along, right? Just get walking. You see the irony here, guys? This lady wouldn't give Jake one of each. She was scared she was going to run out, right? She was rationing the meat. So many of us are like the lunch lady with our love. We have a friend who needs multiple things from us, right? They're like, can you listen to me and give me advice? And you're like, no, pick one. <laughs> right? <laughs> and the reason why, the reason why, guys, is because we are afraid that we're going to run out. We're afraid of being around these people because they drain us of our love. But Jake knew what Jude was talking about. Jude says, keep yourselves in, the in, in God's love. Keep yourself in God's love. The reason why is because Jake knew we don't have to ration God's love. I'll say that again, guys. We do not have to ration God's love. There's enough for each of us here every single person out there. So don't worry about running out. Don't be a lunch lady with your love, right? Don't be a cranky Christian. Be like Jake. That should be a new axiom. Be like Jake, <laughs> right? And last but not least, guys, the last application that Jude gives us in verse 21 is wait for the mercy 
I think he actually says, um, I can find it here. Uh, he says, wait, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. At this point, guys, I, I'm sure we've read so much of Jude. Excuse me. We've read so much of Jude. We've gotten through so much. It's easy to feel worn down, right? Man, you're telling me these, these people are always going to be there? And they're always going to be jerks? There's always going to be cranky Christians. I can't escape that. I can't, go, I can't just go to another church and avoid this problem, right? And the temptation here is to read Jude's words and to think, man, I can't wait for heaven because those people aren't going to be there, right? I can't wait for eternal life because in heaven, I'm going to go to life group and everyone's going to be nice to me, right? That person is definitely not going to be there. Right? But here is the shocking truth that Jude is telling us. It's that the mercy of Jesus is working. It's working in us. It's active. It's going to lead us all to eternal life if we believe. It leads us to eternal life. And we don't have exclusive rights. We don't have exclusive rights on eternal life or Jesus' mercy, right? So maybe you're here tonight, and that's what you've been thinking. You've been thinking, man, I really love this book of Jude. All it talks about are these bad people that I get to judge, right? And what Jude is challenging us with, this application point, is, man, if you think that the, that the mercy of Jesus cannot save a scoffer, then you are self-righteous. You are self-righteous. There's a pastor in New York named Tim Keller. He says this, when we grasp that we are unworthy sinners saved by an infinitely costly grace, it destroys both our self-righteousness and our need to ridicule others. We all know people who ridicule others. We know that person. We've talked about that person for six weeks now. But the mercy of Jesus is enough to cover your self-righteousness as well. In other words, guys, Jesus' mercy is for the scoffer and the self-righteous. So I don't know if this is your first time here tonight, if you've been coming here your whole life. I don't know if you're the scoffer or if you've been self-righteous. I don't know if you're causing division in life group or you're the ones like, I can't wait to get to heaven so this person won't be there, right? But tonight, if you don't believe that the mercy of Jesus is for everyone. It's time to get that right. Because the mercy of Jesus is for you, it's for the scoffer, it's for the self-righteous person, it's for your friend, it's for your neighbor on your side, it's for anyone you meet out in Orlando tonight. It's for me. We all need the mercy of Jesus. It's the only thing that's going to lead us to eternal life. And that's for everyone, right? So the band is going to play. They're going to start picking here in a second. And uh, I don't know how you need to respond tonight. But we're going to have some prayer counselors down here at the front, some of our staff members. Y'all can stand if you're able. And as our default posture of worship, we're going to sing. And we're going to sing to Jesus that he would be, be enthroned, that he would be the most important thing in our lives. 
so again, I don't know where you're here tonight, but I, I ask you just for the love of Jesus, respond tonight. Wherever you are, respond.